Newton Media Group, a family of creative services, presents the Voice Over Work podcast. Today is Saturday, October 23rd, 2021. On the podcast today, we take a little deeper look into a book introduced in a previous podcast with a chapter-by-chapter look at Forty-one self-discipline habits for slackers, avoiders, and couch potatoes. Written by Peter Hollins, narrated by Russell Newton. Chapter one, getting started. Set small goals first. How do you eat an entire elephant? One bite at a time. Corny jokes aside, it's far easier to be disciplined about small things to start with and build momentum from there. Change is hard, and our brains are wired to return to what feels comfortable and predictable. That's why big changes can be so hard, and why we can often get overwhelmed staring at the big picture and seeing how far we have to go. But if you start slow, you can build momentum without getting overwhelmed. If you want to start walking 30 minutes a day, five days a week, start with just five minutes a day. If you feel like continuing after five minutes, go for it. But all you have to focus on when you start is that crucial first step. That's all. If you want to start eating better, identify just one change you can make in your diet. Keep that going for a while, then see where you are and what step to take next later. Often, when our mind thinks something is going to be easy, there's not much resistance to just starting. And then once we start, we can immediately start to feel that sense of achievement, movement, and hope. And that allows us to begin to build momentum to keep going. The longer you stay in prep mode without starting, however, and the longer you contemplate the huge mountain ahead of you that you have to climb, the more immobilized you'll feel. Try not to psych yourself out by setting the bar too high. Confidence should be built by setting and achieving a small goal before going for a bigger one. After all, what feels better, knowing you have a big project ahead of you or knowing that you are already on the path and doing Chapter 2. Focus on Habits Replace Old Habits You've heard it all before. Good habits are the foundation of a healthy, successful life. But here's the good news. You don't need to start from scratch. Think about it this way. You already have habits. Your brain naturally wants to do certain things on autopilot repeatedly. You just have to make sure that the thing you're doing automatically is the best possible option for you. Most of the time, bad habits are simply a way of dealing with stress and boredom. Everything from biting your nails to overspending on a shopping spree to drinking every weekend to wasting time on the Internet. These are all unhelpful ways to regulate our emotions, manage stress, and fill the void, whatever it may be. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can teach yourself new and healthy ways to deal with stress and boredom, which you can then substitute in place of your bad habits. The good thing about this approach is that you already have the mental scaffolding in place, so to speak. You're merely swapping out the content of a habit you already have for something better. Can you break a bad habit by sheer force of will? 
yes. But it takes enormous amounts of energy and focus. You can achieve the same result by replacing habits or upgrading them. A good example is if you're trying to stop yourself shopping online when you take a break at work. This bad habit destroys your focus and attention because you're likely to be online for 20 to 30 minutes each time. But maybe you find that every time you're tempted to shop, you're faced simply with a big gaping hole in your schedule and the unfulfilled desire to browse your favorite sites. It's an uphill battle each time. What now? Chapter 3. Get right in your body, mind, and soul. Remove temptations. In the last chapter, we looked at ways to lay the all-important foundations of a self-disciplined life, including healthy habits with sleep, exercise, and diet. In this chapter, we'll turn our attention to the impact that our attitude, our moods, and our thought process have on our ability to self-regulate and take control of our lives. So many of us know what we should be doing and want to do it, yet we falter time and again when tempted or distracted by things in our environment. You need self-discipline, but this doesn't mean bravely wrestling it out and pitching your willpower up against very tempting prospects. To be honest, this rarely works, and even if it does, your willpower will eventually deplete, whereas there's no end to the number of temptations and distractions out there ready to derail your progress. No. If we hope to reduce the effect of these temptations on our lives, we need to be smart about it. We need to manage, preempt, or flat-out avoid those moments where we're vulnerable to throwing our resolve out the window. Self-control is often easiest when abiding by the old saying, out of sight, out of mind. Removing all temptations and distractions from your environment is essential. Set up systems that remove the necessity of willpower in the first place. In other words, make doing the bad things tough and make doing the good things easy easy, or even automatic. How to use this in your life immediately? Step one, be honest. When you're fired up with a new goal, you might not be inclined to think of potential setbacks. Chapter four, the attitude of success. Stop calling laziness productivity. We've looked at both the physical and psychological foundations of rock-solid self-discipline, as well as the daily habits and routines that will ensure you maintain consistency and commitment until you reach your goals. Only once these fundamentals are in place can we start to talk about productivity and success. In this chapter, we'll look at self-discipline one level up, i.e., on the cognitive level. Again, though, The tips and tricks we're considering here will be ineffective if you haven't consolidated the previous levels. You may already be someone who has a healthy lifestyle and good habits, but nevertheless struggles with self-discipline and productivity. This chapter is for you. The first thing, make sure you don't get stuck in the illusion that you're being disciplined and productive when you're actually just wasting your time. While no one likes admitting it, Sheer laziness is the number one contributor to lost productivity. In fact, several so-called time-saving methods, take meetings and emails, for example, are just ways to get out of doing actual work. 
place your focus on doing the things that actually matter most as efficiently and effectively as possible. How do you know whether something is actually helping you reach your goals or not? Well, you look at the data. You monitor yourself, you stay conscious and accountable, and you remain willing to change and adjust according to what you find. In an attempt to be more productive, many people immediately default to what they think they should be doing. They start a bullet journal or force themselves to wake up at 4 a.m. because they heard some tech billionaire does it. Maybe they set up an alarm. Chapter 5. Stay Mindful. Meditate to Activate. No book on self-discipline and productivity would be complete without a mention of mindfulness. By now, almost everyone knows that meditation is a powerful way to combat stress, cultivate greater well-being, and develop greater self-awareness. There's no doubt that regular meditation connects us to our spirituality, helps us tune into our values, gives us time and space to experience gratitude, and improves body awareness. Something you may not be aware of, though, is meditation's capacity to help you strengthen your self-control. The reason is that meditation and mindfulness practices have been shown via neuroimaging studies to increase neural activation and boost connectivity in those parts of the brain we know are related to self-regulation. A 2014 study in the annals of the New York Academy of Sciences strongly suggests that meditation is not just great for stress and mental well-being, but for self-discipline. If you've ever meditated for any length of time, you can probably guess why. The task of the meditator is essentially one of quiet self-regulation and control. So far in this book, we've spoken about becoming aware of patterns and the source of behaviors and of pausing to take the time to consciously choose differently. This awareness and consciousness are exactly what's being developed when we meditate. Meditation trains us to be more aware and less emotionally reactive. Thus, we're aware of our emotions as emotions and are conscious and awake enough to choose how we react rather than getting carried away with distraction, addiction, fear. Chapter 6. Get organized with your time. Put the big rocks in first. Time management is all about understanding what your priorities are so that you can focus on those first. Though this makes a lot of intuitive sense, the fact is that most of us tend to delay or dawdle on the things that are actually most important to us, choosing instead to focus on tasks that simply don't add anything to the bigger picture. In the 80s, self-help author and productivity guru Stephen Covey was the first to popularize the concept of eating the frog first thing in the morning. Basically, this means doing the most important thing, or else the most challenging or demanding thing, first thing in the morning. The idea is that if you make this a temporal priority, you will not give yourself the chance to get distracted or tempted by other unimportant information. You won't get sidetracked by all those little tasks that seem like they're important but actually don't move you forward one inch on your path. Remember, you're dealing with several limited resources, time, willpower, and energy, not to mention opportunities. If you want to be an effective human being, 
and accomplish your dreams, not just one day, but as soon as possible. Then you need to maximize on the resources you have. You have no choice but to be ruthless in cutting away distraction, temptation, and irrelevant information. Think of big rocks as your priorities. These are the goals, actions, or events that carry the most significance or impact. Here's the analogy. Imagine a big glass jar. Your goal is to fill it up as much as possible. If you fill it with little rocks... Chapter 7. Working with Goals and Visions Let vision power your decision. Let's continue a little further with the idea of decisiveness. There are plenty of reasons that people do things, but not all reasons are created equal. If you act out of peer pressure, the expectations of others, or guilt, you may get some things done, but your motivation won't last. It's far better to tap into those things that truly and genuinely fire you up and inspire you on the deepest level. It's this inspiration that will power you through the challenges and obstacles you're bound to encounter on your path. Creating a personal vision statement may sound kind of cheesy, but it's actually a powerful way to start fueling your goals at the source. Understanding your real values and core principles give you courage to make the difficult decision to improve your life, and it keeps you going when times are tough. If you have a sense of purpose, you will, without doubt, experience greater and more lasting reserves of self-discipline and motivation than if you had only a superficial grasp on your actions. A personal vision statement gives you direction and focus. It provides the criteria against which you can compare all your actions and decisions. The values in it are your guiding light. If you make a decision inspired by these principles, it's likely to be a great decision that actively brings you closer to the life you want to live. Let your vision power your decision. Think of your vision statement as a chance to really explore everything you could be and everything you aspire to be. A vision statement is like a set of life rules or a manifesto that tells This has been 41 Self-Discipline Habits for Slackers, Avoiders, and Couch Potatoes, written by Peter Hollins, narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2021 by Peter Hollins. Production copyright by Peter Hollins. To learn more about today's author or book, please visit Amazon.com or Audible.com. With an eclectic collection of water cooler knowledge, inspirational stories, and motivational thoughts from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Overwork Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.